This is the Mercy Talk podcast. Mercy Talk is brought to you by Mercy Multiplied. We exist to encourage, equip, and empower both men and women with the same biblically-based principles we've seen work for over 35 years in our residential homes. If you want to find out more, head on over to mercymultiplied.com. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back to Mercy Talk. Uh, This is Melanie Wise. I'm here with my friends, Brooke Keels, and (laughs) I thought I'd just share your last name as well, Uh, Rachel Thomas. And we have a special guest with us today that I will introduce you to momentarily that I'm very excited about. Um, But we are in the middle of a series that we have titled, How Do We Respond?, and um, basically what we're doing in this series is we are just looking at a wide variety of topics um, and issues and different things that people can walk through that we kind of feel like as a whole, believers, the body of Christ, the church just hasn't done a fantastic job of responding to or or even worse, like hasn't responded to it at all. Um a few of the topics that we've covered before is kind of like stuff that's just like so uncomfortable and taboo in the church. They just like, don't even go there. Um, so, and I was just reflecting more on it. And even Rachel, I know you and I were just talking earlier today. Like what I think is at the end of the day, what happens is that people just, people are not comfortable with your discomfort Mm -hmm. or your pain or the things that are happening with you that could affect me and make me uncomfortable. I'm not cool with it. So I'm just going to say something that tries to get it off of me real quick. Like, um, my, the family member I was talking to (laughs) said that she calls it Romans eight, 28 bombs, which I just think is hilarious. Just this like, Boom. Yeah, well, God's going to work everything together for good. Bye. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to talk yeah. to you about your thing or what yeah. you're walking through or your pain. Like, I just thought that was a really funny term. I was like, I think I'll use that. But I really do. I just think like, man, I think so many of the things that we're talking about kind of sometimes boil down to us not being comfortable with other people's stuff mm-hmm. and us not being comfortable with other people not being okay. And so we just kind of try to do or say things to kind of like, ah, God is good. Yep. Now go off and don't bother me with your stuff, you know? (laughs) So anyway, I just think, I don't know, I was thinking about today and just some of the stuff that we're going to be talking Mm -hmm. about and like being willing to enter into some of that to a healthy degree with other people is, is important and it takes courage. Um, so today very excited about the topic that we're going to be talking about. Um, we're going to be focusing on the topic of special needs and, um, either people who are directly affected by special needs or have family members who, um, you know, have such special needs. And so, um, we are really excited because we have one of our very own mercy staff members, Sarah Vaughn in the room with us, Sarah, we are so thankful for you being on the podcast, um, and being willing to just share some from your own life experience. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Hi, guys. This is such an honor. I'm so grateful to be here and excited to see how this impacts people today. Yay. Yay. Uh, Thank you so much, Sarah, that you are here. We're so grateful for you um, and just taking the time because we know you have lots of things that you do around (laughs) here. Um, And so, you know, basically, as we dive into the topic today um, regarding special needs, we want to be really clear that we're only scratching the surface. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a huge topic. That, In 20 minutes, we'll cover all the, of this. That's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're good. We're not that good. Um, and so, you know, this is an extensive topic. And um, this is basically just some of 
our experiences, stories, your experience. Um, and so taking them from that place, but we also understand that other people may have different mm. opinions, different mm-hmm. experiences, different thoughts. Totally. Okay. Um, our heart is really just a point to the need for awareness and frankly, just having the conversation because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love what you said earlier, Mel, and I know I've, I've probably said that a lot about my own, you know, the Lord calling out things in my life of like, you're not comfortable with them being uncomfortable and that's selfish. Mm. And I was like, Oh yay. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And so, you know, um, but figuring out, you know what that means. And I think too, then sometimes people just want to fix stuff too, which is a core. Like I think the heart Mm -hmm. is good. Um, and so being able to have, this talk and share it from someone else's experience. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I just love that we're doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm really, yeah. I'm, pr- I'm proud of us guys. I don't know. <laughs> Good job, y'all. Go yeah. to giving ourselves so high fives. Yeah, I do that. I do that. Yeah. It's fine. I love it. That's so good. And and just to kind of circle back around to what Mel's already said, um, we're going to kind of look at this from a couple different angles. Uh, And first is we're going to have Sarah share with her. Oh, my gosh. Sarah, share with us her story. I I messed it up in my head before I even said it out loud. (laughs) Um, And then I'm going to for just a little bit, share a little bit of my own experience and what my family has been through. But um, just to kind of, again, reiterate what Brooke said, there's so many experiences, so many Opinions, but at the end of the day, I think the th- the worst thing that we could do is to just go silent. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes there's mm-hmm. a lot more uh, hurt that can be done in feeling forgotten than yeah. in actually stirring up conversation and saying, "Hey, how can we encourage each other better and even remember each other better yeah. in, in this mm-hmm. um, in these different situations?" So, Sarah, just kind of from there, do you mind sharing a bit of your story with us? Of course, this is. Um, again, just my own experience. So this is not um, to say that everyone who has experienced what I've experienced is going to feel this way. Mm-hmm. But I feel like any time that we can share our testimony, it's a powerful thing. And mm-hmm. so I'm honored to be able to do this. I was actually born prematurely and diagnosed with cerebral palsy at a young age. Doctors said I would never be able to walk on my own. And they weren't sure how I would do in school or other functioning in my life. So I grew up um, thinking that I would never be able to walk, but I walked with crutches and walkers just to get around. And then because of the encouragement of my kindergarten teacher, I took my first steps at age five. Wow. So that was really impactful for me. And from there, it really inspired me to keep pushing myself. I had surgeries and physical therapy and the desire to walk on my own just never left. It was always a part of me. Um, but experienced a lot of um, physical pain in the midst of surgeries and physical therapy, and I got saved at a young age, and so the Lord was just a really dear comfort Mm. to me. But I actually excelled in school, so that was one thing that I enjoyed. I graduated high school with a 4.0 GPA, shocked shocked (laughs) the doctors because they weren't sure how I would do, um, because cerebral palsy can affect other functions of your life. It can affect your speech. It can affect your learning. Um, But for me, the brain damage was just with um, my muscles communicating with my brain, and Mm. so mobility was how Mm. I was affected. Um, But during college, the Lord spoke to my heart and put mercy on my heart. Um, And so that's where the desire began um, to be a part of this amazing 
ministry, and the Lord spoke to my heart and really just asked me a question. He said, do you trust me? And that started my walk of faith, literally. I began walking with him when doctors said it would be impossible, and I've Mm -hmm. been walking um, with him without any crutches for over six years. And so that's the biggest part of my story, and I've just tried to let any impossibility or limits that are spoken over me to take those to the Lord. I know there are Mm -hmm. some limits that we cannot physically overcome or might struggle with, but the Lord is present and He's there to comfort us. And I'm just so grateful for what He's done in my life. All glory goes to Him. Mm -hmm. And I know that He's there in the presence of those family members that are experiencing special needs and taking care of those children. So Mm -hmm. don't give up on them. That's Mm -hmm. just what I have to say about it. All right, so well, we're going to end the podcast. All right, everyone. thanks for joining us today. Have <laughs> a great life, and you will be blessed. We're done. Golly, Sarah, oh, thank Sarah. you so much. You're good. so awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do have some questions, you know, with that. And sure. really the first one is, what are some assumptions that others have made about you that are not true? That you've, And you kind of mentioned, or you alluded mm-hmm. to that, so I'd love to hear a little yeah. bit more in depth. I would say, in general, I think that if you have a disability or a special need in any kind of way, that it's easy to assume what someone is capable of and what someone's not capable of. So I think sometimes people would look at me and assume because I can't walk or function um, the same physically, um, don't have any coordination and things like that, that it can affect you mentally. And for me, that wasn't my story. Mm -hmm. Um, And so sometimes they wouldn't engage with me because they Mm -hmm. assumed that um, I had nothing to contribute. And that's, that's not true. I would just encourage people to show kindness to others with special needs and I think you're going to find a lot of strength in people that you never realize mm-hmm. if you just take the time to look and yeah. see them for who they really are. That's so That's crazy to hear good. you say that, Sarah, because I'm like pretty much every time you open your mouth around here, everyone's like, listen up. I know. Yeah. Sarah, God, love to say, like, talk about always wanting to know what you yes. have to contribute. Man, yes. well, uh, so that actually kind of leads me to a question because one of the things that we're trying to do with these specific shows is be really um practical with people not just like Mm -hmm. here's a new way to think or a new way to see but like Mm -hmm. down to like the words you speak and and the actions and all that so Mm -hmm. one of the things that we talked about in the last few shows was like what are some things that people have maybe specifically said out of maybe a desire to be helpful or to be encouraging but actually on the reality of your experience was that it was it was really more harmful or hurtful Mm -hmm. than good yeah I think the one thing that comes to mind is when people turn to prayer, it's awesome. We should always pray. And I'm actually a prayer warrior. It's very important to me. But one thing they would always um, pray for is healing. And I'm constantly Mm. seeking the Lord for that. Um, And he's begun something in my life that I know he's going to finish, but you don't know that person's story and you Mm. don't know how far they've come. So don't be discouraged because sometimes people would offer to pray for me. And if nothing physically that they could see change, Mm. Mm -hmm. they would actually leave discouraged and downcast. Mm. 
So I would just say, if you're praying for someone or want to encourage someone, don't be discouraged by how long their journey is or how long their process is. Um, But another thing that comes to mind is also um, when you're asking someone what their story is, maybe ask them that way and say what happened instead of saying what's wrong with you. Mm. Um, that's one thing that was actually very oh hurtful. Gosh. Yes, that, didn't, that would be hurtful. Um, maybe that never they didn't that realize. Yeah. Just wow. don't ever use um, those words. Instead of saying, you know, what happened or because huh. curiosity is a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Asking questions is yeah. a great thing. But the phrasing of it is mm-hmm. important. And yeah. so saying what's wrong with you, I always would respond and say, nothing's wrong with me. <laughs> I just can't walk very well. Yeah. Um, and so that was always my response. Nothing's wrong yeah. with me. Okay. I just have CP or I just have trouble walking. Yeah. So I just explained to them um, what I have trouble with rather yeah. than what's wrong with me. Um, yeah. Because I see myself in Christ and... Um, I'm thankful for that. That's so good. Man, mm-hmm. okay, you just said something that we hit on. I don't even know that we realized that was going to be such a theme in these shows, but that curiosity piece, yeah. like, yeah. because of the fact that we are only getting limited thoughts and opinions on these shows of people who've, you know, walked through these different things that we're talking through, through we're not saying everybody thinks this, everybody feels this, do this, don't do this. Just be curious. Mm-hmm. Just ask questions. Mm-hmm. Just engage in people's stories. Don't mm-hmm. assume. Please just don't assume. I just feel like it always yeah. keeps going back to that. And just be curious. I love that. Yeah. I think that's just becoming a pretty regular yeah. theme. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And kind of on the other side, Sarah, I, I definitely am interested to hear... What are some things that your community or your church have really done to make you feel valued or make you feel seen Mm -hmm. as part of the community? So Mm -hmm. kind of we know what, hey, don't say these things, but also like what was done that really made you feel cared Mm -hmm. for? I feel valued and cared for when I'm included. Um, And my church has done an amazing job of allowing me to serve, Mm -hmm. not assuming that just because I struggle um, physically with walking or have pain or different things that I walk through that I don't want to contribute in some way. And so they've allowed me to contribute and be an influential part of the church body by serving and being on the prayer team. Um, I love prayer. And so I actually get to pray for people sometimes that are praying for healing and we see lots of breakthrough. And Mm -hmm. I think that stumps people sometimes to Mm -hmm. actually see someone um, that is walking through a process, but knowing that the Lord is healer and being able Mm -hmm. to agree and pray with other people just because you know who God is. And so I think just finding your place and being invited um, to contribute in that way is really meaningful. Mm -hmm. That's That's really good. So good. So why should you donate to Mercy Multiply? Well, it's simple. God has called us to be a part of a cause greater than ourselves. I love Nancy's vision and heartbeat for Mercy Multiplied, and I've seen the lives changed. I love that they offer these first-class, amazing facilities free of charge to these young women um, to teach them um, the value that they have in God's eyes and what it looks like to live a better and best version of the life God's called them to live. But that's got to come by some of us in the background 
supporting those who are on the front lines, living life day in and day out with these young women and helping them take the next step. One of my songs is called Do Something and it talks about uh, the story of somebody like me maybe standing around uh, looking at the injustices of the world and, and saying, Lord, why don't you do something about it? Meanwhile, we come to realize that perhaps God's response is, I did, I created you. Are we going to do something? Are we going to support the ministry of Mercy Multiplied so that it can keep going on and multiplying the lives changed? Uh, it's up to us to do something about that. Well, one more <clears throat> question that comes to mind, Sarah. Um, I know that we're going to chat here with Rachel for a minute um, about you know families who have people that they're caring for with special needs. But um, specifically, are there any things that you can think of that just the church as a whole could do um, to just better love and minister and empower um, directly to people who have special needs? Directly, I think just again, engaging them and allowing them to have a place in the church body Mm -hmm. is amazing, Mm -hmm. but then also supporting their family and supporting um, their caretakers and allowing them to have the space to do that. Yeah. Um, for me, I didn't have a lot of modifications in the church realm, so it's not as easy for me to think of things differently because mm. I think my church always handled them well. Mm. Um, so that was a, a great thing for me, and um, it was always a blessing. But I know that with certain special needs that there is a need for more um, child care mm-hmm. and attention on um, children's ministry and including them in that way. But I had great yeah. experiences that I'm grateful for. That's yeah. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else at all, Sarah? I know we're going to kind of turn over here to Rachel and ask her more some about her story and all that, but is there anything else at all that you'd encourage people with? Yeah, I think having a dis- disability, you definitely have another level of care that you have to have in your life. But I just want you to know that if you're struggling with a disability or a special need, that does not make you a burden. You are Mm -hmm. God's special treasure and he sees you as his beloved. So always Mm -hmm. fight to see yourself as the way he sees you. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's what was very important to me. Every every time you say words, (laughs) I just, I'm like, I shouldn't talk anymore. (laughs) I definitely feel that way. Thank you. Thank you so much for just sharing some of your story. And I know as even as Rachel shares, obviously if there's thoughts that come to mind, I don't want you to think, Oh, well my part's over. So please continue to um, share insight. But you know, um, kind of along some of these same lines, Rachel, would you mind sharing with us now a little bit about your family's story in walking this road with uh, your sister? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So kind of how we've been reiterating here, every story is different and, uh, and ours is different in the sense that, um, and so I think you kind of mentioned this before that the, the needs weren't really intellectual for you. Um, They were more physical and the opposite was true with my sister. Um, So my sister, youngest sister was born uh, when I was 15. And so there's six of us all together. And, uh, she was born with Downs, uh, but we did not know the extent to what that would all entail just because you don't know. And we we literally found out um, three days before she was born. Hmm. 
And so my mom had had some health issues with blood pressure, and that's really the only reason we found out Mm. uh, before she was born. And initially, um, at the onset of her birth, they were looking at open-heart surgery. She had a big GI issue with um, not being able to, like, pass food from her esophagus to her stomach. Mm. And so they were looking at all these crazy surgeries, and she had several at the beginning. We were in the hospital. I remember, um, gosh, man, I remember my parents being gone for, like, days, days, days. And we had, you know, family come over or whatnot. But I mean, I was old enough at the time to keep my siblings. And I just remember wondering when we were going to leave, when, if she was ever going to be able to leave the hospital. Mm. And, uh, we stayed there for about six weeks. And when she came home, she had a feeding tube. And so, and my, just to give you some context, my, my, uh, mom was about 40 when she had her. So a little bit, a little bit older, not much, but, um, Jordan is her name, uh, when she was born. And so, uh, anyways, so this has been, um, a journey of joy and discovery and questions. And truly, I think the biggest thing that we've, um, kind of like has become a part of our story is, um, while she has downs and the physical issues have, have waned in a sense, like the Lord has done, I could sit here and tell you of a miracle after miracle of healing her heart. She was born with a heart defect, supposed to have open heart surgery and, um, really ended up closing on its own and didn't have to have that. Mm. Uh, but when she was five signs of autism began to set in. Mm. And so everything, all of the progress that we had seen her make with speech and walking and eating and just being this light in the room began to kind of fade. And Mm. when she hit about six or seven, um, she, got to where being in a space where there was any crying, any laughing, any kind of high-pitched noise would set her off on really what, at the time, what we would call these episodes of screaming and clawing at her face. And so progressively, um, it became harder and harder to leave the house with her. And, um, and my sister, as far as like physical issues are concerned, um, only in the last, I'd say, like three years, maybe she's eighteen now, um, maybe four, four years has she been able to use the bathroom on her own. So, mm-hmm. intellectually, she is probably around like three or four, is what they've they've mm-hmm. told us. Um, but the autism really has has become a probably more, I guess, a bigger part of our story than what we initially uh, thought. And so it's been this journey of figuring out like, what does it look like when you have somebody that you love um, so much. And again, kind of the same thing, like people pray for healing in different areas or believing for you. And of course, in the Downs community, there can be a lot of assumptions like, oh man, she's going to be like the most joy-filled, bright, like outgoing, smiley, cheerful person. And knowing that she has her own personality as well. But autism has really, in our case, changed a lot of that narrative for us. And so what does it look like to still live with hope, but also your circumstance, you were, um, for the most part, my mom is homebound. Mm -hmm. And so figuring out like what, how, what is, Mm -hmm. how does that look, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, it sounds silly, but even the ripple effects of that, um, you know, them being grandparents and us having kids. And then there's quite a few limitations and them being able to, travel, I mean, yeah, travel and be in our lives. And so how, what does that look like? And mm-hmm. so just walking through, walking through that together. So, yeah. 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 Thank you 
for just sharing all of that. And yeah, I mean, even as you're speaking, I'm just thinking, you know, obviously from the family dynamic aspect, just what all that would entail. And, um, I'm really curious, especially since you were 15 and so you kind of had one world and then you had another world and then another world, like it kind of shifted twice for you. So what would you say is really the dynamic of a family with a child with special needs kind of differ without one? Because frankly, you experienced 15 years of not and then another, you know, 18, you know. Yeah. Man, yeah, that's good. You phrased that way better than I like thought that question out. Um, yeah, I'd say that most of the time, and not all, this is just my experience, um, that siblings that are involved are going to be are going to play a very large role in the caretaking. Um, not only for my sister, but also for my siblings. So um, I think. And I love my, I mean, if my parents were ever to tune in to this, like, I would, I mean, I always want them to know, like, I love them so much. And they've done an incredible job with all of us. But there are moments when that relationship can be blurred. Mm -hmm. And um, it's hard to know, like, where you are the child again and where you're the caretaker or where you're, even what your relationship is with your sibling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then again, being able to have those needs with your parents um, has been really hard because it's hard to feel it sounds so bad to say but it's hard to feel at times like your needs matter not because they don't but because there are moments when they're not as pertinent yeah. you know if somebody's not feeding you through your tube or if you know you're not having a <clears throat> a meltdown and wherever I mean those things can wait to a certain extent sure. and so I think a lot of that has been work being quite frank, being honest with myself and, uh, and admitting that like some of, I struggle with some of those feelings sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah, no, I mean, mm-hmm. I think it does exactly. That sounds, it's just this unique position of your helping parent, mm-hmm. but I'm also need to be parented. But also the way I feel right now is important. I need to give value to that, but it's also not a fire. Yeah. And so what, what, how do we just kind of Mm -hmm. exist in that Mm -hmm. world? And that is very complicated. Yeah. I mean, it just is. And, um, I can imagine having other siblings as well, (laughs) since there were six of you, there either kind of becomes a reliance, yeah, (laughs) a reliance on each other or, you know, kind of the in that dynamic shifts too like who who are the ones who kind of withdraw the ones that step in and help like depending on personality and it just shifts everything it really does um so kind of with all of that and we you know we've we've talked about this before going back to the practical but what are Mm -hmm. some things that people have said or done trying to be helpful but really were hurtful Mm -hmm. instead yeah no that's good um you know, Sarah's already mentioned a couple of really good ones. I think I think back to especially when when my sister was first born, and anytime you tell somebody information like Mel mentioned, that's uncomfortable to somebody. Like they don't know what to do with that. Of mm-hmm. course, they want to fix and rescue and help. And one really common thing that's just so weird and awkward is when you tell people about either your disability or your sister or sibling or family member and they say I'm so sorry Mm -hmm. and the reason that feels weird is because 
they're still alive. Right. <laughs> like they're in your life. And so when people are like, man, I'm just so sorry, it feels like, well, I know what you mean, but are you sorry? Like, you don't have to be sorry because they're still here and like we love them. And it's just part of our story. And so mm-hmm. I think, again, you already said this, Mel, the, the aisle that you'd, that would be, um, better to lean on is to stay curious and so to ask questions like wow that's got to be y'all have have a lot going on tell me about what your what does it look like for you in a normal morning or um wow how do you guys handle um that family dynamic and those kinds of questions are may feel nosy and they're appropriate times to ask and other times when it's better to kind of pull back but in a sense, they're healing mm-hmm. because a lot of times there can be, and I'd be curious if you ever felt this mm-hmm. way, this sense of um, acknowledgement. acknowledgement, yeah, and and even feeling forgotten. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I want to I want to be able to say like, hey, it's it's different for our family at um, Christmas time, like, mm-hmm. and or or you know, traveling in a car, um, it doesn't happen. For Mm -hmm. all of it, you know, just those kinds of things. And not that you have to like hear the life diary of my life, but I'm sorry for sure would be one. And then another one um, that I can just like wholeheartedly attest to. And I hear this so much. And it's uh, we were talking about pet peeves earlier. It's a pet peeve of mine Um, is people pretending like they're professional diagnosticians when they're not mm. so coming in and Brooke, I'm sure you <laughs> I would love to hear this is also my pet <laughs> Let's peeve also talk yes. about this. yeah went when, to school a long time guys oh my let gosh. us do our job and here's a, but and here's the funny thing anybody that I've ever known that is a professional in that sense never assumes that they're never assumes the place of coming in and trying to tell you what to do in that moment because mm-hmm. it's not healthy yeah um because yeah. I cannot tell you how many I don't know if you ever had this too, Sarah, like people, um, you know, especially if they would see like an outburst in public with my sister, a meltdown would come in and try to pretend like they knew. Either. You can just do ABA just out in Walmart. Oh my gosh. Just going to do, do some yeah. behavior stuff. Just try to like handle it or ask, <laughs> yeah, or, or ask like, um, have you ever thought about getting oh. them tested for autism or oh. I just like those things. Number one. It's never happened when I'm around. Oh, it's such a bad idea. The Lord is protecting us all. He is. He is. Because I would love to see Brooke go all out. I'm just saying right now. It's just, number one, that's not your place, and it's the wrong time. And number two, I guarantee you that these families are already, um, they're already talking to professionals in those Mm -hmm. um, realms, and they they already have things worked out. Like, they know that their child is making a scene. Yeah. You don't have to point that out. It's just yeah. those things are Oof. painful. Yeah. Oof. So, um, I'm just gonna. You know, one of the many jobs that just I've saying. had was an <laughs> ABA therapist for um, kids with autism, and um, this was before I finished grad, graduate school. And um, one of the things that you know, obviously through that, you take kids with autism to the store, and like you do all these things, and you just would see like these parents would be so heartbroken because they couldn't just go to Target, mm-hmm. right? And they wouldn't know what to do. And yeah. so we would work with them on that. But part of doing that is going to the store and letting your kid have a meltdown mm-hmm. and how to handle it appropriately. And um, out of that, I, I just have such a respect for, you know, 
families that will take their kids mm-hmm. and let them have a meltdown because you know what your kids screaming in Target not affecting my life today mm-hmm. you know and for other yeah. people that have anything to say about it and parents would come up with the most creative ways they would have cards that would be like my child has autism please don't try and help Ooh, literally have things like that or you know but for me when I hear it now mm-hmm. you know yeah. just all these years when I hear that I pray for them when I hear a baby scream after I had my baby right. I was like oh I'm praying for you mm-hmm. yeah. like I'm not you know yes. but really just yeah. walking through and just like praying for them praying for that situation and just that there would be peace and rest and yeah. all of that you know and look peace and rest in Walmart is a miracle in and of itself <laughs> so you know it's a, it's a good place Amen. to ask for it yeah. and uh, so anyway but I, why are you going to Walmart uh, I don't I don't actually uh, go there I don't know why I keep saying it's just it's very traumatic um, yeah they've got cheap stuff um, but you know anyway I know that's not at all the same but just as someone who has supported families yeah. with that like there is such a we can just love people by never saying a word we can love people by just praying for them across Mm -hmm. the across the way or Mm -hmm. and and also both of you said the same thing i feel like there's a place for just people to go if you really want to help then go man so how can i help yeah Mm -hmm. yeah you know, and there's a place if someone's like, I'm having a really hard time. Well, I am sorry you're having a hard time. Mm-hmm. I'm not sorry that your sister exists. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And and I think we don't yes. get that we're saying mm-hmm. that. I know that I've done the same thing. Sure. 100% oh, yeah. out of sure. not thinking. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, again, going back to the practical piece of how can I help? Yeah. You know, if you're tired, you know what? I And I, I this is one of my favorite things to do before I had kids is I would offer to babysit kids with special needs because I knew how to do that and I could handle it and guess what I get to go home so when's the last time you and your husband have been on a date Mm -hmm. you know or just different things that you can do can I bring a meal over or in churches that that offer like you know parents night out for kids with special Mm -hmm. needs you guys are getting some pools swimming pools in heaven Mm -hmm. I want you to know that (laughs) that's right and that's important I feel Mm -hmm. like in heaven, Mm -hmm. you don't know. And so, but you know what I mean? Like the people that will, that do that and just are intentional about, man, we can give to you in very practical ways. Um, so I'm just, this has just been so exciting. Well, so, you know, maybe same questions for you, Rachel, to kind of wrap this up. Um, you know, what are some things that like we're just, you know, gave a good example of ways that the church can really minister to and reach out to families, um, you know, who, um, have someone that has special needs. Um, but also like, is there just anything that you just think, yeah, you know, families who have kids with special needs, like here's something that they wish the world knew, yeah. you know? Yes. No, that's either okay. of those or both. <laughs> yeah. I think Brooke said some great ones, um, especially directed to the church. I think w- with the awareness of autism being much greater now than it used to be, I think a lot of churches are, seeing the need for um, special needs ministries and also for special needs rooms. I mean, that's a whole Mm -hmm. completely whole other category in and Mm -hmm. of itself. And so churches that really go the extra mile to reach out, you know, in whether it's a congregation or their community to professionals to help um, just equip their rooms. I mean, it's a whole nother system, even with lighting and stuff that's available, Mm -hmm. even special needs entrances so that the person yes. doesn't have to go through a lot of those. Sarah's <laughs> like, yes, yes, yes. please. <laughs> I've yes. had I've had times where I can't go to a church because I can't even go to the bathroom by myself. So oh, I really yeah. I really feel that one because you need to make it more accessible if you yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, that's wow. a huge one. That's a huge one. And I'd also say too, in addition to the programs and the needs and even a buddy system. I mean, I've been to churches. That's such a blessing. Doesn't mm-hmm. work for everybody, but a lot of times pairing up some 
somebody with a highly trained volunteer mm-hmm. um, who can handle, you know, someone who is autistic or mm-hmm. Downs or whatever, maybe more assistance and whatnot, so that they they can go with their kid to their class and then the parents can go to church. That's a blessing. Mm-hmm. But for the families themselves, I mean, Brooke said it, it's, it's respite care in a mm-hmm. sense, really. It's coming alongside and saying, hey... Um, can I watch your kid for three hours or can I come and sit with, I mean, maybe they're not a kid. Maybe it's their grown child now that's living with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is, I just, there's, there's no words that articulate um, not only how that ministers, but also practically it's actually alleviating. It's giving them space to breathe yeah. and feel normal. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I'd say just to be a safe place t- for them to, to express how they really feel. Cause there's such a gamut of emotions. I mean, they're your family member. You love them. Um, you wouldn't want life without them. But then there's all the these, you know, just processing thoughts of like, my life is different now. And I need to be able to be honest with somebody about that and not fear being judged. But a place where I can be honest and say, I want to I want to be healthy and mm-hmm. I don't want to live in resent or regret or whatever. But these are real things that... Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to wrestle with with yeah. with either having social needs or being a caretaker, and so I think that those are all really good practical ways yeah. to love. Yeah. I know we've gone long. But can I just say <laughs> one thing with that? I love that you said that that just for them to have a for people to have a place to be honest because anytime you know, and probably for you too, Sarah. But like when. If it's your own life, you're like, I don't want to complain, Mm -hmm. but I'm having a hard time today and Mm -hmm. having a place where, you know, people can just let you have a hard time. Mm -hmm. And then as a parent, yes. And so uh, these parents that I worked with and with, um, again, it was specific to kids with autism, but they would just feel so guilty that they were having a hard time Mm -hmm. and just being able Mm -hmm. to normalize that, Mm -hmm. you know, and because we've kind of, it's kind of a joke to be like, it's parenting so hard when Mm -hmm. your kid's healthy and Mm -hmm. whatever. But if you could, if you have a hard Mm -hmm. time when they're not, like, it's almost like you're cruel Mm -hmm. or, you know, the shame that can come with that. And so even just providing that space or even encouraging, Mm -hmm. like, go to counseling and let somebody support you and, you know, I will watch your kid while you go to counseling, yeah. right? Yeah. Or whatever you need that to be. Um, but it, but for the people out there who have felt that way, like it's okay because it hurts and it's really hard. Yeah. And it's a different mm-hmm. level of hard than most of us will ever understand. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. so the rest of us are happy to be there for mm-hmm. you and let you just have mm-hmm. a place of just be safe and say that it's hard and that's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that's good. good yeah. Glad yeah. you added Thank that. Thank you. Well, guys, thank you all so much, Sarah and Rachel, for sharing. Sarah, it was so fun to have you on today. I'll come back anytime. All right. I love it. Um, Man, this was so, this was super enlightening for me. I will say that much. And I think uh, this is just affirming why we felt like it was so important with this series to bring in people who have direct experience with the things that we're talking about to seek out their insight, to not sit here and act like we, we know when we don't know. And so I just keep going back to like that staying curious, staying, continuing to ask the questions. Um, because I think like you said, Brooke, people, people sometimes want to talk more than we think they do. Like they just Mm -hmm. want a place to process and they want to be able to talk, but you got to ask, they're not going to come up and volunteer it most of the time. Um, and so, you know, and then there's other people I will acknowledge are just more private and they don't want to talk. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, That's yeah, totally yeah. fine. Be prepared for like the yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Great. 
but open that door and allow people to choose whether or not to walk through it. I yeah. just think that's be really a important. Safe but, person. Yeah. I mean, a lot yeah. of times people aren't sure that you're a safe person, and so right. be willing mm-hmm. to prove yourself in that way. You know, you don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops to do that, but just in your existence and presence. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. Well. Like we said, we barely scratched the surface today on this one, but um, I feel like, you know, there's just some really great insights shared by you guys. So really thankful. And um, man, we'll be diving into a whole other topic next week. So I hope that you guys are finding this series helpful. I know that we have been encouraged and challenged ourselves through all of it. (laughs) Like crying today. I know. I know. So I hope that that for all of you listeners that you've been, you know, really receiving a lot from this series. So we're looking forward to diving into a new topic next week. We're so glad you joined us today. We'd love for you to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can also find previous episodes there. Mercy Multiplied is a nonprofit organization completely funded by our donors. We're incredibly grateful and couldn't do what we do without them. If you want to find out more how you can partner with us financially, head over to mercymultiplied.com.